You know, for a long time, I meant to try Pete's coffee, but just never gave it a chance. But ever since I did, I have a hard time settling on anything less. And there's something to say about a coffee company with such rich history and devotion to bring you that perfect brew. Since Alfred Pete opened his first coffee bar in 1966, Pete's has selectively sourced the finest beans in the world, carefully calibrating each roast by hand and crafting each beverage with the utmost care. Pete's aims to produce fresh from the roaster's coffee delivered directly to your door, sourcing the top 1% of coffee beans, roasted by hand to unlock each bean's potential, and delivering it to you fresh to bring you the perfect cup. With over 30 flavor varieties in both gourmet coffees and teas, like Vietnam Lotus Bold, Major Dickinson's Blend, and Arabian Mocha Java, you are sure to find the right flavor to start your day. And they even come in K-Cups for those of you who live life on the go. Check out all the varieties of Pete's has to offer by following the link in the show notes below. And starting August 30th, you can take advantage of their Labor Day sale and get yourself 20% off anything on their site by using promo code LABORDAY20 at checkout. This offer is valid through September 5th. That's promo code LABORDAY20 at checkout for 20% off your purchase this Labor Day. But why not do one better? Use promo code NEWSUB30 at checkout and you get yourself 30% off of a new subscription to Pete's Coffee. That's right. All the delicious coffee you could want delivered right to your door each and every month without you ever having to worry about running low. What more could you ever need? That's promo code NEWSUB30 for 30% off your subscription. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Grindhouse, where we drink coffee and talk about movies. My name is Leah Diana, and today with my boyfriend and co-host, Sean Tatro, we will be winding back the reels to 1982. Eight more days to Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. Eight more days to Halloween, Silver Shamrock. It's almost time, kids. The clock is ticking. Be in front of your TV sets for the horathon, followed by the big giveaway. Don't miss it, and don't forget to wear your masks. The clock is ticking. It's almost time for Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Oh, let's get into this. about Halloween. Halloween. The barriers will be down between the real and the unreal. And the dead might be looking in. The last great one took place 3,000 years ago when the hills ran red. Halloween. You happen to know anything about this Cochrane? All I can tell you, mister, is watch out. Season. He's watching you, friend, I guarantee you that. Hey, Mr. Cochran, just what is the final process? Fellas, I was just kidding. Witchcraft. To us, it was a way of controlling our environment. 
Taking her. They're taking her to the factory. I want a mask. Can I have a mask? Uh, uh, just what I had in mind for you, little buddy. Why, Congress? Why? Do I need a reason? I've got nothing here to indicate there was ever a body at all. Operator, this is an emergency. I do love a good joke, and this is the best ever. A joke on the children. I'm glad you'll be able to watch it. You've got to believe me. They're going to kill us. All of us. Stop it. Halloween. The world's going to change tonight, Doctor. Happy Halloween. Stop it! Halloween 3. Season of the Witch. The night no one comes home. Spread the word, you dirty cocksuckers. Tell all your grave robbing friends I want them out of the city now! The nightmare of insane murder. From the depths of hell. So I have the biggest question on everybody's mind about this movie. And what would that be? Where's Michael? They said fuck Michael for this one. And you know what? I know this movie gets a shit ton of hate. Shit ton. I love this concept. As do I. And I don't understand why so many people were so angry about it. Well, I think... So it's worth noting that this movie... Doesn't so much get a lot of hate now. No. It did Back for a long 80s. time. Yeah. I th- For at least a couple of decades, this movie was like shit on for being the worst Halloween sequel because it had nothing to do with Michael Myers or anything else from the franchise. Mm. But you also have to take into account there wasn't a franchise yet. This was the third entry in a series. Exactly. And if you think about it, Halloween could be about anything. This isn't about Michael Myers. Halloween 2 was... its It literally says something about... Oh, no. I'm sorry. I'm looking at Halloween 4 that says Curse of Michael Myers. Never yeah, mind. no. Because um, it's, in, it's in order, but we only have Halloween, and we jumped to Halloween 4. It, my, my VHS collection is lacking on certain franchises. I only, have a, hold. <laughs> I only have a couple entries in the Halloween but series. But it's Halloween, Halloween 2, and then Halloween 3 starts where they have Season of the Witch or The Curse of Michael Myers. So to me... Being the person that looks at it going, oh, Halloween is about stories about Halloween. The first Halloween is about a night on Halloween where a psychiatric patient gets out and starts having a murder spree. Yes, it's so John Carpenter's original intention for the Halloween movie. He never first of all, he never thought there was going to be a sequel. Yeah. But since they're. They decided to move forward with more movies. He originally wanted to make it an anthology series. So every movie would be a different story taking place on Halloween night. Mm. And that's a genius fucking idea, especially for that was back in the 70s. Yeah. Now, 
they sort of forced his hand with Halloween 2. They wanted him to continue from where the first one left they off. They wanted to know what happened to Lori, basically. Which is, is fine. You know what? All right, let's close out that story. And they, they wrapped it up nicely in Halloween 2. Yes. So the time came for Halloween 3. He didn't really want to do it, but I believe he wrote the film, like, or he was an uncredited writer on the film. And he decided, I'm going to do what I wanted to do initially. I want to make this a completely separate story from the Michael Myers story. It has nothing to do with that at all, down to some ridiculous details that we'll get into when we get there. But um, this one takes us in a new direction, and people fucking hated the idea that Michael Myers wasn't in it. And I don't, I don't get that. This concept was so good. Uh, yeah, and I think, I think it all comes down to the fact that he was forced to do a sequel with Michael Myers, so people immediately assumed, oh, this is all going to be about Michael Myers. If we're being completely honest, and... I'm going to get a lot of hate for this, but I don't even think Michael Myers is one of the best horror villains out there. Now that I disagree with. Really? Okay. Yeah, I, I think Michael Myers stands on his own as like possibly the best of the horror villains. And I would like to put a pin in that until we actually get to Halloween. Uh, all yep, right. Yep, yep. <laughs> See, I wanted to put that out there because... It's going to be a little while before we get to Halloween. We're going to have a debate when we get there. Halloween is going to be the one that the two of us go back and forth for. Because we both love that movie. But our opinions, I think, of that movie are both very opposite of each other. Yeah, and it's not because true. we hate it. It's because we love it for different reasons. Which, oh, it's going to be good, guys. It's going to be good. <laughs> so, I tried to do a play-by-play -play of this movie. Which, I actually really do love this movie. I really do. When I first watched, I marathoned all of Halloween in like a weekend, maybe about, I think it was like two years ago. And I remember sitting there watching this going, this is the best one. <laughs> <laughs> and then I sang the Silver Shamrock thing for about so, two months afterwards. I definitely think, all right, I definitely think this is the most Halloween of the Halloween yeah. franchise. Yep. Because when you really look at it, Halloween and the whole Michael Myers thing yeah. doesn't really have to take place on Halloween. No, it's just, oh, it's a spooky time of year. And I mean, with it being set on Halloween, there was very little about trick-or-treating and the kids and any traditions. This movie has more traditional Halloween aspects. Well, they initially set the first one on Halloween because they just happened to do some research and find that nobody had ever done a movie called Halloween set on Halloween, like a, ho a horror movie. Yeah, and it's, and the second one doesn't make sense because it takes place on November 1st. No, that's not true. It's not true? The second one? Yeah. Takes place the same night as the first one. I, that poor fucking girl. It's just one really long night. <laughs> so basically, you could start Halloween and finish with Halloween 2, and, and it's the whole that night. That would be one movie, oh, yeah. Oh, God. I figured she had a break, man. She doesn't get a break, does no. she? Well, I mean, she does after Halloween 2. She gets a very nice long break. <laughs> but true. before we get too far, mm -hmm. today we watched Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, if you couldn't tell. Mm -hmm. uh, this movie was directed by Tommy Lee Wallace, who was heavily involved with the first movie. Mm -hmm. I believe. He, I forget was, what his role was on the first one. Who was married to Linda, the lady who plays, the girl that plays Linda, who was in the first Halloween. That is his wife ex-wife now 
Linda? Yeah. The yeah. one that was in ho- the first Halloween. The other babysitter. Oh, no. That's um, Annie. Her name's Linda in this. In this? In this. That's why I said Linda. Oh, I thought you were talking about uh, Halloween. We are talking about Halloween. Three. The first Halloween. This <laughs> <laughs> is going to get confusing. Anyway, this was uh, also written by Tommy Lee Wallace. Um, it's produced by Deborah Hill and John Carpenter. Mm-hmm. John Carpenter also came back and did the score for this one, which, which we're going to talk shit. about. Um, this stars the always incredible Tom Atkins, accompanied by Stacey Nilkin and Dan O'Herlihy, I believe is how you pronounce his name. This was originally released October 22nd, 1982, made on a budget of $2.5 million and brought in a box office of $14.4 million. So it was a commercial hit. Oh, absolutely. It was a commercial hit, but a critical failure. <laughs> Jesus. Seems kind of, like, counterproductive at that point. Like, oh, it was a hit, but it sucked. Like, it still made a shit ton of money. It made, yeah, it made a lot of money. Yeah. But I think that's because a lot of people flocked to the theaters thinking they were going to see Michael Myers and got this. <laughs> thinking Michael Myers was going to be dressed up in a witch's outfit Which, with a little hat. Which is funny to me because if you like, if you had seen the commercials and stuff for this before, I mean, granted, commercials weren't as a big deal. Yeah. Then, like trailers weren't a big deal, but if you had seen them, you wouldn't have been expecting to see Michael Myers. Either that, or you would have been thinking, "How the fuck is Michael Myers gonna exactly. have anything to do with it that?" That's the Silver Shamrock advertisement. That has nothing to do with Mike Myers. But that's. That's okay, I guess. I'm thinking a lot of people went to see this just based on, oh, it's Halloween 3. Yeah. I gotta it's go gotta see it. It's gotta have a minute, yeah. And you were mistaken. I'm yeah. sorry. I have a small fun fact, but it's a podcast fun fact. It's us. Okay. This is our third movie with Tom Atkins in it. Our third? Our third. He was in The Fog. He was in Night of the Creeps. And now Halloween 3. He is the longest-running actor on our podcast. Jesus. I forgot we talked about The Fog. Wow. wow. I feel like it's been that long. It stars <laughs> half of the people that either were in Halloween or made Halloween. Fun fact, John Carpenter makes a cameo in it, and man has not changed. He's just wrinkly with white hair now. He's badass. Never die, John Carpenter. I don't want to see this man cry. Please. <laughs> Um, something that I'd like to mention before we actually dive into the movie itself. Mm-hmm. So whenever we do these podcasts, I sit down with my laptop. I bring up like a bunch of facts about the movie, things we can talk about. And one of the resources I use is IMDb. Mm-hmm. It's an obvious place to go for movie information. Yeah. But when you search Halloween 3 on IMDb, you get several different things that come up. Uh-oh. So you get Halloween 3, the season of the witch. But then you also get a bunch of what I assume are fan films or fan pages. Mm-hmm. Because there's one called Happy Halloween 3, which I'm going to I'm going to give you the synopsises for each of these because oh, no. they're they're just weird. So Happy Halloween 3 is Curtis is released from a mental hospital where he returns home to Haddonfield as does an uninvited Halloween guest. Ding dong! The poster for it is literally just, it says, it's like the title of Halloween 3, like, ripped from that poster. Mm. They put the word happy and tiny text above it, and then it's just a, like, 
badly photoshopped picture of Michael Myers. <laughs> I know where he stands on the whole season of the witch movie. Uh, there's another another entry that comes up called Halloween Three from 2016. The poster is a like trench coated jack o' lantern headed creature guy um, that oh. says the epic conclusion. <laughs> Did Loomis turn into a pumpkin man? Uh, the synopsis for this one is Luke and Mike must find out how to kill the Halloween ghost. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck this is, but it looks terrible. Oh, it's a short film. This one's a short film. Okay. Alright. And the third and last looks like it's trying to play on these newer Halloween movies that have been coming out. Mm. This one's just Halloween 3 uh, or Dakota Miller's Halloween 3. Um, this entry is from 2019. The poster says, The Night No One Comes Home, which is the tagline for the actual Halloween 3. <laughs> and the synopsis for this one is, Michael Myers is loose in Haddonfield again for one last night. Can Maxwell Loomis stop him once and for all? Will Judy Strode and her friends survive? Find out in CNT Films Halloween 3. <laughs> Judy Strode. What the fuck? <laughs> Judy. I don't know what the hell these things are. I assume they're all fan films. This one doesn't even say it's a short, so I don't know what the fuck this is. You know, you need to find these. We need to watch them. Oh god. Talk about how bad they are. I don't know if I don't know if we can handle that. I might know a man who can. Yeah, but do we really want to call him in for that? I felt a disturbance in the force, like a hey friends small in the corner. I'll do it. <laughs> but I want your soul. <laughs> oh, God. But no, that uh, that sounds like <laughs> that sounds like a job for someone else. Yeah. Not us. You got any more fun facts? I mean, there's tons, but... Alright, so I am gonna start the ball rolling on this. There's a lot that happens in this movie. It goes pretty quick. In my opinion, that's why I enjoy this one. It, it's not a slow burn. It's like pretty on pace. I like the pace of this. Yes. So, yeah, this one is the pace is a little bit faster, but somehow it's still also kind of a slow burn. Because story. they give you a lot of information. Every scene has a lot of information to unpack. So it starts with this dude running down the road and he's holding a pumpkin mask and he's Try, trying to get away from a car. Ends up at a gas station. Um, hides in a junkyard. Ends up killing one guy by releasing the brick under a car. And it crushes him. Um, by the way, the music in this whole scene is, I called it, psychedelic and wild. Okay, so I'm actually going to pause you for a second there. Wow, hasn't even gotten two minutes in. That's all right. Um... One thing I want to talk about really quick, because it comes right before we come into this yeah. stuff, um, is that the first things we see, we have a, we start with a credit sequence, as most yeah. of these movies do. And the credit sequence on this is you see this like digital pumpkin being like generated yeah. on a screen. And I really love this for a lot of reasons. One, because... All of the Halloween movies have, up to this point, have started with a pumpkin as our our credit sequence. Yes. It's always a pumpkin, and it's always, generally, I think the first two, it's just like a slow zoom in on a pumpkin. Yep. 
or the pumpkin is like being illuminated slowly from darkness. This one, it's being created digitally on a screen. And I think that's very fitting because the screen is the thing that we are meant to fear in this story. Yes. And it even like this credit sequence even ends with it beginning to flash, which I don't know, kind of suggests that we as the viewers are also the victims. We're getting flashed. (sighs) Technically, we get get flashed twice. It's awesome. But anyways, yes. This, I like how, and it's a tradition that keeps going. Like, I don't remember the newer Halloween movies, the last two that came out. I don't remember if there was a pumpkin starting. There was. Yes, there was. Um, And it is like the middle of September right now when we're recording this one and Halloween ends is coming out soon. Yeah, I almost wonder if we should do something special for that. I would love to, but I also um I also kind of want to and this is my idea and I wanted to bring it up on the podcast because I thought it would be cool to kind of like see if other people would like this. I want to review Halloween. I want to review Halloween around Halloween, but I think we should do it next year. Okay. And I think we should do a big, big thing. But unfortunately, the newer movies are not in the Grindhouse wheelhouse. No. So we can't really talk about that. So what I think we should do is I want to entice our viewers a little. We do have a Patreon. We do have, you know, Acast has a... It cast has a subscription thing that you can, or is it just the Patreon? No, they both have. Uh, a cast has a its own um, subscription based thing. It, uh, it's just like Patreon, where you can subscribe to different tier levels. So, I think everybody <clears throat> should watch out because next year we're gonna do something big for Halloween for our subscribers that encompasses all of the Halloween movies. All of them. All of them. Oh, Jesus. Yep. Okay. That could be interesting. And I'm saying it now, a year ahead of time to prepare everybody and to mentally prepare ourselves because that's a lot of films. It took me two whole days to watch all of the older ones previous to the new Halloweens that started getting released, what, 2018, 2019? Yeah. Something like that. The newer ones with Jamie Lee and all them. It took me two whole days, like nonstop. I mean, I only stopped for what, six or seven hours to sleep. Yeah. Like, it's a lot of movie. (laughs) So many movies. So I think we should review Halloween next year for Halloween and then do something very special for our Patreon. And our subscribers. Yeah. And this is your enticing. If you hear any noises, it's our cats. One's scratching, the other one's being a devious little brat. Um,. But I want to entice our subscribers, or I want to entice our viewers. Subscribe. This is like this is the stuff that we're putting out. We're putting out these bigger things. Um, some of the things that we're doing are just smaller ones where we talk about things that are going on, personal things other than stuff like that. We're even uh, we're even throwing around the idea of possibly starting to do some kind of live streaming. We are. We have downloaded Twitch. We're looking at the Twitch streams, Twitch Labs, the Twitch deck. I forget what it's called, OBS and shit like that. I think it's just Twitch like Studio now. Yep. And we're looking into it because we really... I mean, there's not a lot of horror movies or Grindhouse movies that are not in, um, like, copyright. Like, public domain yeah. kind of things. But there are some. Like, we could do a live stream of 
Night, Night of the, the Living, Living Dead. Dead. Uh, a couple others have come out of public domain or are in public domain that we could do too. Um, we could do other ones and just not care about getting monetization through Twitch. I don't care, but I don't know if they shut it down anymore. So, yeah, I mean, like, I don't really mind, like, because we could always, like, if we wanted to try and make anything off yeah. of it, we could try and, like, we could have people donate if they wanted to. Honestly, but, but we're not in it for the money for this. No. This is, we are in it for fun. We are enjoying this. Like, this is not us being like, give us money and we'll give you more content. No, it's it's to entice you. But we really want to do a lot more with this podcast. I mean, we are looking at, when you're listening to this, month 10. We have been doing this for 10 months. And as of this episode, we only have nine more till the end of the year. Yeah, we're closing in on a full year of this podcast very fast. Which a year ago at this time was only a fleeting idea. Like, oh, we should get all the equipment. We should talk about it. You know, this might be fun. It wasn't really, I think, until right after Halloween where you like, I bought the mics. I, I I have all the stuff to record. Like, I've got the camera equipment. Let's do this. Sadly, we had to take video away just for a little bit. Um... The last like four or five months have been really, really busy. Um, for you, not for me. <laughs> well, no, but I think um, I think this has given us a chance to kind of reevaluate it a little and like focus more on making it sound good. Yeah. And I mean, now we're thinking about like doing live stream stuff, so that could be a way to bring video back in. Do you miss the video? I from do a miss- from a doing standpoint, not an editing standpoint. Yeah, uh, from physically having the video is, I think, is really cool. Like, because we do have these go out on YouTube as yeah. well. Um, granted, YouTube copyright strikes us on every single one, but yeah. you fuck know what? Em. I'll say it here now. Fuck <clears throat> you. Fuck YouTube. But we put it out there, like, in case people use YouTube primarily hmm. and want to listen to it there, which is fine, but. I don't know, like from an editing standpoint, definitely it's easier to edit just the audio. Yeah. And I feel like I can do more with it if it's just the audio. The video kind of complicates that a little bit more. Yeah, you editing a video would take you a pretty good afternoon. I've seen you edit like maybe three or four yesterday and you banged them out really quick. So I miss the video from an as- from my aspect because it was cool. I also only watch the movies, write them out, and sit here and talk. I don't do any of the other stuff. Yeah, that's all me. Yep. And the reason why it's all him is because I don't like using Mac. So it's all done on Mac. And unfortunately, my computer shit the bed June? Yeah, my, sh- my computer shit the bed in June. And uh, I'm borrowing a friend's, which... I haven't really used very much, and I have my own Mac laptop. Thank you, Paige, for giving it to me. But, yeah, I don't really... Noisy little brats. Um, I don't really use a lot of Mac stuff. So, that and Sean's like, oh, I'm going to teach you. And I'm like, no, thank you. (laughs) I don't want to learn. All right, we've gotten way off topic. Let's steer this train back onto the tracks. Choo-choo-choo. So essentially where we left off is you were you were starting to talk about the score. Yep. And as I said, this is another incredible John Carpenter score. I noticed the music in this. Have you ever noticed that anytime it's this man, I notice his fucking music? It's because his music is very prominent. Mm. And the music to me in this one feels designed to drive you mad. So like the this opening 
score that we get this during this chase scene is mm. it's very droning and it like it feels like it lingers it feels like there's something behind long. you like there's something looming behind i find it actually relaxing i'm fucked up though but it feels like there's something behind you just almost ready to catch you with this with the way the music is for this first chasing yeah it's funny because it's literally it basically consists of like i think he played like one little thing and it's just like looped using the synthesizer which is really cool and it it's they're on crack today (laughs) and it sounds great like it's it's very haunting it makes you incredibly uncomfortable Mm. and they do this type of music throughout the entire movie yeah they do uh and of course we can't forget the most prominent one that damn commercial jingle it's gonna be our okay i recommend people go on youtube and look up silver shamrock halloween three just look it up you won't really have to because it's in the trailer which you really it is in the it will it is in the trailer but if you really want to sit there and listen to the whole thing because i quoted it word for word in the beginning because usually we read the synopsis I didn't need to. This synopsis was um, like, man stops supernatural something from killing children. Like, that was the synopsis. I'm like, this sucks. And then I'm like, wait a minute. (laughs) I'm just going to read the commercial. And so much better. So much better. But this, you hear it so many times throughout the whole movie. Like, I would say at least a dozen. But then for the next, I would say month you and i are going to look at each other at random times and go for no reason (laughs) and i commented to sean earlier i'm like it's either the start of silver shamrock or mamma mia (laughs) from apple like it's and i get confused every time (laughs) it's it's always the silver shamrock theme it's only the Silver Shamrock theme. As an ABBA fan, I'm very offended by your comment right now. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, he's rude. All right. So we see the first dude get crushed by the car. And then he runs away a little more and ends up at the hospital. No. No. Okay. Help no. me with this. So he... Uh... He gets away from that guy crushing him with the car, yep. and then I believe he is found or stumbles into the gas station attendant. Oh, yep. Okay. And that guy takes him to the hospital. He takes him to the hospital. Okay. When he's at the hospital, he <clears throat> we meet Dr. Chalice? Chalice. Dr. Chalice. Mr. Tom Atkins. And he's kind of like out of it. He hasn't really like said anything so- until they pass by a room in the Silver Shamrock. Boop, 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 starts playing. Yes. So we're actually skipping over a big thing here. So the guy finds him, the gas station attendant finds him. Yep. And the next time we see them, he has taken him to the hospital. Oh, okay. However, we kind of jump away from them to, and we're introduced to Chalice. Chalice. Uh, oh, he Chalice goes to his ex-wife's house and drops off the ma- um, masks for the kids. Yes, I believe he's he may be there to actually pick up the kids. I think that's his original intention. Yeah, but he can't. He has to go into work. Um, yeah, he gets a phone call while he, or a page while he's there. He calls into work and they tell him, oh, they need him to come in. And we get our first cameo 
of the movie in this this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, his ex-wife is played by Nancy Keys, I believe is her last name. I think so, yeah. Um, who's best known for playing Annie Brackett in the original Halloween. Yep. In this, she is an absolute raging bitch. Oh my god. <laughs> she is a cuntosaurus, if you will. I want to stab this woman in the throat. And she has some of the best lines. Oh, she does. She does. And it's ridiculous. I think this scene gives us a good sense of who Tom Atkins is, though. Yes. So we get we get a sense that his life is very hectic, that he's but he's sort of put himself in this situation. Mm. So we're told it, through this dialogue and everything that he drinks. He's a doctor. Yep. Um, we absolutely get that his ex-wife hates him. And we can kind of assume that through his career and his alcoholism and whatnot, he's neglected her and his kids. Yeah. Um, and this kind of bleeds throughout the rest of the movie, but we also kind of get the sense that he's somewhat of a ladies' man pretty early on. Yeah. Uh, based on the way he interacts with the nurses at the hospital, the coroner later on, and Ellie. Yeah. And that kind of suggests to me that maybe he committed adultery as well at some point. We don't know for sure. They never say it. No, but it is assumed the way the ex-wife treats him, like she's a very accusatory she's a very accusatory person but there always has to be some merit behind that sometimes like, I don't know, like this the way her character is like sharp and to the point with him, something bad must have happened because she's like you can't hear a lot of her lines but obviously you know which one is my favorite from her and it has been every time we watch this movie <laughs> um, you can hear it clear as day and I fucking laugh every time but you get the feeling like something did happen and she has every right to be like this and he doesn't really fight her about it he's just like just let just can we can we move past this no. and just listen like I need to tell you something kind no, of thing because we, we get a we get a sense that he has fucked up a lot in the past. Like, he has always let work come before his family. Yep. That he always blows them off for something else. Like, he's like, oh, you're supposed to have the kids this weekend. And he's like, no, nah, something came up. I can't take them. So, yeah. it constantly puts her in the point, the position of... She's the bad I guy. have to disappoint my children because yeah. you aren't here. Which, it's... I don't know if they made it in the 80s for her to be like the bitch back in the 80s but now I kind of see her more of one of the victims of the story well yeah I I think she comes off as the bitch because the story is through Chalice's point of view Mm. not hers so she comes out as the enemy even though she's technically not she's not the enemy she's just and it's funny that a movie like simple as this with you see her once and then you hear her on the phone maybe three or four more times and you already get a sense of what happened in their relationship what type of people they are what type of person she is I mean the kids don't seem upset with their father they just seem like oh dad's here and it's like she has to be the bad guy every time I don't know it just this movie has so much depth it's terrifying it does it it has a lot of layers to it and i think they did a really good job in putting this one together like most movies wouldn't go to such lengths to to put in this much detail Mm. that you can kind of 
extrapolate information from. Yeah. And I think that's really cool. Like most most movies at this time, like especially like early eighties and stuff, would just fucking brush away half brush the away shit. everything, and people would be so cookie cutter. It wouldn't fucking matter. This is why people need to give this movie a chance. Buckle in, kids. This is gonna be a long fucking it, review. Honestly, for all of you that haven't ever really given this a chance and always just treated it like the ugly stepchild of the Halloween franchise. Give it a chance. This is one of the best fucking movies in that entire series. Think of it as a standalone movie. Think of it as just Season of the Witch. That's it. I'm honestly surprised that they haven't tried to just do a release of this taking off Halloween 3 and just calling it Season of the Witch. Uh, that would be a John Carpenter choice. He was the producer on this, so was in that more of a his call? No, uh, that would fall on the studio itself. Who was the studio for this? For this one, uh, well, this would probably fall on. Is this Universal? Uh, Mustafa Akkad is like the overall producer of all of these, mm. or him and his eventually his sons because he passed away at some point. But that would probably come down to him, mm. or at least somewhere in the distribution, if they decided to try that. But they never have. They've always just held on to that Halloween 3 title, which mm, is right? kind of funny. With, like, there are so many other movies out there that didn't do well, so they retitled them, repackaged them, and put them out again, just to try and like trick people into watching them. And I'm really surprised they never tried that with that one. This is a Universal Pictures. Um, it's also Dino De Laurentiis Corporation. Yes. Dino. Big name at this time. Huge. I don't know who runs the place now. Honestly, I think they should try and re-release this under a different name. Just to kind of garner more popularity or garner newer viewers but also i think like arrow or one of those other places should re-release this i mean shout factory did did they that's the collection i have oh fuck well that's the collection i mean just the singular movie well they have they released them all re-released them all individually as well but oh shit (laughs) what do i know I don't know anything. All right, let's get back to this movie. We keep train wrecking well, every be- time. Before we dive back into the sequence of events, uh, there, you know there's a novelization of this. No. Yeah, it was published in 82. Um, it was done by sci- sci-fi writer Dennis Etchison, um, but he used the pseudonym Jack Martin. And despite the critical failure of the movie, the book actually became a bestseller. And really? Even, and was even reissued two years after the movie's released in 84. Who's so the- that kind of gives you merit. Like, it gives merit to how good the story actually is because people enjoyed reading it. They just didn't like that the movie didn't have Michael Myers in it. Yeah. Because they're fucking automatons wait who wrote who wrote the book uh real name dennis etchison pseudonym jack martin jack it's on amazon and it is 120 dollars it's probably out of print 34 dollars oh that's in german 
Wait, is that in German? That is in German. <clears throat> yeah, it's uh, $115. Damn. Fuck that. I'm gonna read it. Guess right. not. Alright, so let's get back into the sequence of events you here. You keep derailing us. You're a bad influence on this podcast. Oh, a podcast. piece of shit. Let's go. <laughs> Woo! Um, <laughs> so, Chalice gets a call at home or at his ex-wife's house saying, you know, you need to, um, you need, we need you to come in. I forget what it was, but he's like, oh, I gotta go. And she's like, you're supposed to be taking the kids and whatever. The kids put the masks on, sit in front of the TV and Silver Shamrock starts playing. And you're like, it's a fucking song. Like the second time we've heard this. Oh no, this is the first time we're hearing it. Um, so then he heads to the hospital and he gets there, and this dude is being wheeled in. Um, he's pr- pretty much out cold, and the gas station attendant is telling him, Oh, hey, he came into my station, da da da. And they're wheeling him, they're wheeling him, they stop in front of a patient's room, and the silver shamrock thing goes do 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 do. And this dude wakes up and starts freaking out, grabs and saying, they're coming, they're after us, they're going to kill us. And you're like, what is happening? Now, you said that this is this this tune is either um, so, Silver Shamrock or... Mamma Mia. Mamma Mia yeah. for you? Yep. Well, it's actually something much more pro- prevalent uh, that... I never really thought about, but now that I read this fact and listen to it in my head, I, I, I kind of get it. Are you about to do the thing with my brain? London Bridge is falling down. Fuck you. Because it was in public domain. London Bridge is falling down, oh falling my down, God. falling down. London Bridge is falling down. Silver <laughs> camera. <laughs> you know, that's very ironic seeing as how they had to call London Bridge has fallen last week. What's cold word for the queen died? Is it really? Yeah. London um, Bridge has fallen? London Bridge has fallen. That oh. was the code word for the queen passed away. She I, passed away last week. See, I know that they're like... I think it's Olympus has fallen. Olympus has fallen for is America. America. Yeah. London Bridge has fallen is for the Queen. I always thought it was just London has fallen. And then depending if she died in if in England or Scotland, they had different code names too as well for it. I forget it's Operation something in England, but Operation like Unicorn in like Scotland. Jesus. It's because she died at Balmoral in Scotland rather than in England. I don't know. I don't know much about the Queen. We're not going to get into that. But yeah, London Bridge is falling down. Now I'm going to think of that fucking tune. So it's either, which is funny because London Bridge is falling down is about, no, that's Ring Around the Rosie is about the plague. Yeah. London Bridge is falling down is about the bombings, right? I don't fucking know. I'm going to have to research this. Uh, it's going to be stuck in my head. So... The dude freaks out. They're like, oh, they're coming. They're going to kill us. And Dr. Chalice is like, the fuck is wrong with this dude? So they treat him. They put him in his room, make sure he's nice and comfortable. Whatever. And Dr. Chalice looks at his nurse and goes, I'm going to go take a nap. I'm tired. Okay. He goes to take a nap. Nurse is doing her rounds. All of a sudden, one of the guys that uh, was chasing him shows up and kills him in a very unique way. 
Yeah, this uh, this first kill is actually very, it's very brutal, but it's like not very gory. No. It he like essentially like shoves his fingers into his eye holes and then like through the eye holes, meeting the nose and pulling up, so it looks like his face is a mask. Yeah, he, it like breaks. He like breaks the bridge of his skull. Yeah, like pushes his eyes and breaks the bridge of his skull. Which, I don't know if that would instantly kill somebody, but it definitely... Well, it, it actually didn't instantly kill him, because, like, that happens, and then you it, like, oh, cuts to, to his s- hand. Yeah, he had to smother like- him, too. Because when he did that, he does this thing where he smothers his hand, and then he has his hand, the other hand above his head, and then he does this pinching motion. So I'm like, oh, he's going to close his, and then pinch his nose, and then stuff him get like that. And then you're like, what is he doing? Then he shoves his hand into his eyeball, and you're like... Oh, oh you're, God. you're expecting a lot of gore, but I did read somewhere where people were not happy this movie was less gory. But the gore wasn't what was driving the story. No, I didn't think this one needed to be gory. Oh, and I realized now watching this again in the sequence of when the gas station attendant is watching the TV, he is watching a story on Stonehenge. Yes. Yeah. That'll play and a part that ties later. in... Later on. Later on. Uh, where they're saying that, you know, something happened with Stonehenge and they're not sure and, you know, all this other stuff. But Stonehenge plays a huge part in this movie, um, which I did a little research more towards the end. And this movie is very smart. But our final questions will bring me to a couple answers I have about this movie. So, okay. Um, I was going to go into it, but I'm like, no, I'll save that for later. Um, well, I have to say that I love that this film is built. It's built like to slowly ramp up over the course of several days leading to Halloween night. Yeah, we start on the, t- this is the 23rd of October. Um, this all happens on one night. Um, uh, yeah. The no, movie? This, this, this sequence all happens on one night. Oh, we start on the 23rd yes. and then we end um, at 9 p.m. on Halloween. Yeah. Um, so we basically have to do this within eight days. Thus the song in the beginning. Um, so the dude that kills... Uh, well, no, I'm sorry. While, da- while Chalice is sleeping, the nurse finds the dude and starts screaming. Chalice gets up, starts running, and she's like, that man, that man, that man. And I don't... I, she, I can't hear if she says that man killed him or... Da, 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 but she, she can't goes, get the words out. Yeah. She's stumbling over. She's crying. She's stumbling. She's freaking out. And this dude is just casually walking out of the hospital, and Chalice is chasing after him, chasing after him. It's a very... It's a very Michael Myers thing. Like, that that guy's just walking away, and yep. he's running after him, but can't catch up to him. Doesn't give a shit. I love it. So then, you know, Chalice is like, hey, hey, stop. I need to talk to you. And the guy gets in the car, covers himself in gasoline, and lights the car on fire. And the only thing I can think was, fireball. Andy, that's your fault, by the way. The only thing I could think of was that car blew up really fast. <laughs> he covered himself in gasoline. Yeah, but it would blow the car up immediately. <laughs> Not unless he didn't use all the gasoline, and when it hit the gasoline. Have yeah, you ever seen gasoline lights? It still would have taken a second. It wouldn't have been instantaneous like have that. Have you seen how gasoline or butane lights on a bonfire? Yes. You have? Yeah. So then, boom. Bye-bye. All right. <laughs> he, The dude inside also is a very different person, and he caught on fire differently. 
maybe that helped the fire? Yeah, yeah I guess. Wow, he's trying to shut me I down. Get, I guess. He's trying to shut me down. I guess. So in the midst of all this, you know, car blows up with the dude in it. Um, all the nurses and doctors are around like, oh my God, what has happened? And Chalice goes back inside and he has the mask in his hand. Like, wow, what, what is the big deal with this fucking mask? So then he has to call his ex-wife because he was supposed to come back and pick up the kids. And yet again, he disappoints. He disappoints. That and a thousand there. And he... <laughs> my favorite line is said in this moment, um, but it is not my absolute favorite line in the whole thing. Um, you can hear her scream at him. The kids don't even know your name anymore. And I laugh. I'm like, that is such a bitch move. They forgot how to say dad. Yeah. <laughs> well, fuck off. Yeah, seriously. What is wrong with you? Um, then uh, we meet the dead guy, because I never really know his name until the end, and then I forget it. Um, we meet his daughter, who comes in to identify the body. Um, and her name is... Ellie. Ellie. Um, Ellie... I think it was Cambridge or something or some, like that. Something like that. Oh, I was trying to put together my next thought. Ellie identifies the body, um, kind of talks to the doctor a little bit, Dr. Chalice a little bit, um, tries to figure out what the hell's going on, but then Chalice goes to a forensic scientist at the hospital? I think she's a coroner. Coroner. Or at least works for the coroner's yeah. office. And was like, oh, can you take all the... Can you get the stuff from the car and examine it? And I want to examine the body and see, you know, who this person was. Yeah. So in the background, there's a plot of the coroner trying to gather everything and get the parts to them. Um, then I guess it's like the next day and we see because it goes from the 24th, which is when the daughter shows up and he disappoints his children again um, to the 27th. It skips like a couple of days and he's at a bar drinking and... On the bar TV, Halloween is playing because John Carpenter can get away from him, get away with his own movie being on the television. Well, I think that that's really funny too, because like he has the guy switch the channel and it switches over to Halloween or a, an ad for the fact that they're gonna be playing Halloween on Halloween. And they even they say it's like the original classic, and it just immediately shoves in your face that. No, this is not the same world. Mm-hmm. No, this is a different story. Stop fucking <laughs> trying to make me tell the same story again and again. And it's so funny that he put it in there in there then, and people were still mad about it after they saw the movie. He knew that people were going to be pissed about it. Oh, yeah, for sure. For and how grumpy and old this man is, like, even back in the 70s when he was young, he's just a grumpy old I man. I love it. Like, he has this, like, take-no-shits attitude about everything. Isn't that how you are? I, I wish. Strives to be. I strive you take a to little be. shit. You, you take a little shit. Listen. Because you have to deal with that little shit. <laughs> I'm taking uh, taking some pointers. I'm like on a steady cough, uh, diet of black coffee. I'm just missing the chain smoking. Isn't he a whiskey drinker too? Probably. I don't know. I mean, you've got half the, you've got the whiskey, just not the drink. <laughs> yeah. We, in this house, we pretend. We cosplay as our heroes. <laughs> we, co- we cosplay as actual human beings here. <laughs> We're not really pieces of shit, but we play them on TV. <laughs> so that that actually it brings up something that I could really talk about at any point, but I feel like this is as good as any other. Mm. Um, 
this movie is it's full of commentaries. Yeah. So like there's obvious commentaries on consumerism. Um it's mixed with a healthy dose of that dangers of television kind of thing. And like I think I noticed this time more than any other time I've ever watched this that mm-hmm. televisions are prominently featured in nearly every fucking scene of this film. Yes. They're constantly lingering in the background. They're always playing that haunting jingle. <laughs> it just is always reminding us that our characters are on a ticking clock. Yeah. And they don't even know it. No. Like, it's just this massive looming countdown to Halloween. And I think that's a really, really cool theme throughout it this movie. It is a cool theme. There are a lot of there are a lot of great themes, but there are also not so great themes. Such as? Um, such as we'll get into the town. Yeah. And the traditions that they based the story on. Okay. I'm a little I love this movie, but I'm a little apprehensive to be like this is the greatest film of all time because I'm a little upset on how they treated um, pagan traditions and Samhain. Elaborate. So this is there's no secret that this movie is leaning into more of a witchcraft, a a supernatural type of story because it's called Season of the Witch. It wouldn't be called Season of the Witch without having to do with something with witch background. So there's something that Cochran, who is the main bad guy in the movie, says later on, which I'll get more into then, but it kind of mocks the original tradition of Samhain and pagan traditions. Well, it's a different interpretation. It is, but it also could be taken as offensive to a lot of pagans and Wiccans. Yeah, for sure. But you also have to take into account, this is a... the viewpoint of one twisted person yeah one twisted individual Individual. i don't even know if he is a person they this movie starts to get very strange because you don't know because he starts talking about traditions when chalice has been captured later in the movie and when he starts talking about it i'm like how old is this man like is he just like a 70 or 80 year old dude or is he like hundreds of years old. Well, that's the thing. There's almost like a cosmic horror element to this. Obviously, yeah. It like, it starts to steer into towards the very end, but it doesn't like fully explore any of it. It gives you no answers because this man, fuck you, John Carpenter, and this director, give me no answers at the end of this film. No answers. It ends. It just stops. We know how I feel about this. He's laughing at me. He literally <laughs> is laughing at me over there. Let's get back to the goddamn fucking movie. All right, where were we? So, Chalice is in the bar, and Ellie shows up. Right? It's Ellie, right? Yeah, it's Ellie. Yeah. Uh, she shows up, and you're like, oh, the nurses told me I could find you here. Creepy, but okay, go on. She wanted to ask, you know, did my father say anything to you before he died? He's like, actually, he was talking about somebody was coming after him, and he was holding this mask, and, uh, and one plus one goes to two, and they start talking about investigating more of Silver Shamrock. Like, why was why did your why would your dad be so like crazy about this? So then they end up like meeting, hanging out, and then they end up going to a town called Santa Mira. It's a very heavily Irish town in the middle of nowhere in California. Fun fact about. Santa Mira. Mm. Santa Mira is a real place mm-hmm. in California. 
Um, and it was also the setting of Invasion of the Body Snatchers in 1956. I've never seen that movie. Well, it's just, it's kind of a, a fun Easter egg because this movie in its concept is very Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Uh, yeah. It's very similar in tone and basic I- idea, ideas, really. yeah, ideals. But go on. So they're in this very heavily Irish town where even the, they decide to stay in a, um, they pose as a couple and they ask about staying at this little motel and the the guy who owns the hotel is very Irish, very Irish, very nice guy. And they end up staying in a motel and all of a sudden another woman shows up from San Francisco. She's a buyer and she's there to get the masks um, because they've been selling to a lot of big corporate places, but the smaller mom and pop shops have to come and pick them up themselves. And she says, you know, corporations, you know, making everyone greedy in this company. There's your problem with capitalism right there. And um, and then a family, uh, a family shows up with a mom and dad and, and a son. And he's like one of the leading sales of the masks for the, the year. And they invited him on a tour, you know, check out the, the facility and stuff. Um, and I'm really happy to see that Chalice and Ellie go in with a fucking plan to begin with. They don't just go in blaze gu- guns blazing like other movies you see. Like, okay, let's make a plan. Let's not stick out right away. Obviously, they realize once they do some snooping, they're going to stick out. So they're trying not to right away. I have a note that just threw me off. You can't break. You can't do break and enter like you used to with technology. But then there's nothing but cameras all over this town. Yeah. Like, there is a camera on top of every single building. And then... And they're all monitored. They're monitored, and the curfew is 6 p.m. You have to go home by 6 p.m. And if you don't, they watch you. And I'm like, that's that's creepy. Why are you doing that? Um, There's a comment that is made um, once Ellie and Dr. Chalice get into the hotel room. I fuck it. It kills me every time. So they're in the hotel room and he's like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to go sleep in the car. So, you know, you're not uncomfortable. And Ellie looks at him and goes, where do you want to sleep, Dr. Jealous? And every time I'm like, inside of you. (laughs) (laughs) Because the scene, like any normal person delivering that line, like, oh, where, where do you want to sleep? Like, do you want to sleep in the bed? And like, we can figure this out. But she just looks at him going, where would you like to sleep, Dr. Chalice? And I'm like, that is such a sexually driven way to say that statement. That's part of, there's a big thing throughout this whole movie where it's like, they lay on this relationship between the two of them. Like peanut butter. So thick and creamy. Like, she is dying to get him inside of her so bad. It is hilarious. <laughs> she, like, almost immediately, she's like, Where do you want to sleep, Dr. Chalice? Snooze inside of my vagina anytime. I mean, for fuck's sake, like, he comes back from, I forget where he even was, but he, like, he comes back at one point and she's waiting in lingerie and a towel. Like, which is funny what because is when she, which is funny because when she gets out of the shower, she forgets the towel and she wraps herself up in the blanket. Yeah, this is the point. Okay, this is the point where I believe something happens to Ellie. Truly, I I have something to say about that, but I want to save it towards the end. Okay, so let's uh, let's get back Hold to the, the movie. Hold it. Um. So Doctor Jealous tells her, uh, uh, "I need a drink," and he leaves. 
at this point when she says, where do you want to sleep? And he's like, ah, I need a drink. I got to go. And it's obviously after 6 p.m. So he goes to the liquor store or the store and goes back. And he's stopped by a man who lives there and says, um, and I quote, I saw the bottle and thought it was heavy. Can I have a drink? Yeah, he's, so he's like a vagrant, I assume. Yeah, he's or, like the town drunk or yeah. the town idiot or some shit. But then he goes off about how, oh, you know, he's made all his money on this goddamn town and none of us work. Nobody from here works there. We are all poor, but he made the town of what it was and it was really amazing years ago, but now nobody works there. Like, he's complaining about the town loudly, very loudly. And uh, we kind of gra- glazed over it a little bit, so I just want to go back and just make quick mention of a couple things Mm. so like we get introduced to this town through this very like awkward scene where they they drive into town and everybody's watching them and there's like security cameras like following their car around yeah and we we basically see that it's like this old school single road like single strip town um very Stephen King-esque kind of town. Very Stephen King. It's like everything seems a little bit dated even by, what was it, uh, 82? By 82, yeah. By 82 Honestly, standards. it looks like this town li- belongs in the 60s. Yeah. Maybe even the 50s. And it's 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 a very eerie thing. Like you see a couple of the people like watching through windows, like the gas station attendant is standing Especially outside. Especially when the 6 p.m. curfews says people are looking outside, then they shut their windows, they shut their doors, they button up their curtains. Yeah, it's all very regimented and locked down yeah. and isolated. And it's... It, I'm trying to think of like the best way to describe it. it it's just a very... You know something is wrong the yeah. moment we get here. And it's... I think it adds light a lot to the atmosphere of basically the rest of this film. Yeah. Um, you immediately think like the characters don't have anyone they can trust. Like, and then, but we do start to get introduced to those other side characters, the other people that are in town staying at the motel. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, okay, so they're not completely alone, which I think was really cool. It helped me at least help my experience of the movie. Mm. Our characters aren't completely crazy you know what yeah. i mean like there's other people that are experiencing this um and i can't get by this without mentioning the do you know that gas station is seen somewhere else texas chainsaw no john carpenter's the fog i don't remember that yeah he reuses that same gas station in a scene in that movie in a little town in massachusetts hmm it's in california <laughs> a coastal town, Warner. It's been a while. Um, so after the town drunk, blah, 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 verbal diarrhea is his opinion. We follow him back to his home, where the dudes that work for Cochrane find him and take his head off in one felt swoop. And that's where you go. What? What are these dudes? Where are they from? Because they never talk. They're very stoic. They move very uniformly. And it's like, They seem obnoxiously strong. Yes. They even Um, make mention earlier on that it would take a lot of strength to break somebody's skull the way they do to the first guy. Yes. Like, what the fuck? Um, So then after that scene, we get the chalice shows back up at the hotel room and she's in a black nighty lingerie and lays down on the bed with her. And then the... stupidest 80s music starts playing for the weirdest sex scene. I feel like this was longer. It probably was. Because it goes from her being in the 90s and then all of a sudden Tom Atkins is literally sucking on a titty. 
literally. There yeah. is a titty in his mouth. He doesn't fuck around, man. Holy shit. <laughs> I was like, dude's getting ass. And then after, you know, they have, because it's just him sucking on the titty. And then the next scene is the two of them lying on their backs going. <sighs> and then he says, how old are you? This is the only problem I have. Why are you asking her age after you fucked her? Because uh, he wasn't thinking clearly before. <laughs> You've had a couple of shots of booze. And she sh- and you show up and she's in her like negligee, which is not really that sexy or skimpy. No, it's just a normal like silken pajama, like short and tank top set. It's something I would normally wear. Yeah. And I'm looking at it going, you got a stiffy from that? Man, you're easy. Well, I don't know. He's you a just... ladies. Well, yeah. I don't, I don't know if he's a ladies man or if she's just slutty. She's just ready to go. Oh. Hard up for some Atkins. <laughs> some Atkins action. Some Atkins action. Dare I action. say he wants she wants him to thrill her? Oh! Good news, my penis is here. Bad news, I don't know your age. Oh! Got him. Anyway. <laughs> so um, she becomes insatiable, and they have sex again. And then we cut to the one of the other ladies, the lady from San Francisco, is getting ready for bed. She's, you know, reading a book. And as she's moving, like, the mask or doing some stuff, the silver shamrock thing falls off and it looks like a computer chip. And she picks it up and she's like, what the fuck is this? She starts fucking with she it. She starts poking at it and looking at it. And all of a sudden, this blue light comes out and shocks her. Like, shoots her in the mouth. In the mouth. And essentially, it cuts her lips open and separates her whole skin skin flesh from her jaw and these fucking bugs and spiders come out of her mouth and you're like ow ow what the the fuck (laughs) and ellie hears this and goes what was that while riding atkins you just see her boobies and everything she's like what was that and he's like like, who cares who cares well that's because your balls deep inside of her you don't give a fuck about anything Uh unless it's what you're fucking Uh anyways um and then that happens. Cut to, it's like, like really early in the morning. Like it's after they've had their good fun. And um, Dr. Chalice hears a noise and he goes to open the door a crack. And you see Tom Atkins crack. Tom, nice ass for 1982. Woo! You're apparently the... Uh... Don't tell me that's a butt double. No, no, that, uh, the, the bedroom scene, that mm. whole like, the, the sex scene and all that. Mm. That was apparently the... First thing that they shot together, because they, the, I guess the filmmakers cast uh, the girl as Ellie very quickly because they were under time constraints. Yeah, and they had barely any time to get acquainted beforehand. They just had to get thrust into it. No pun intended. Literally. <laughs> Hi, nice to meet you. My name's so and so. My name's Tom Atkins. Can I see your tits so I know where my mouth is going? I'll be inside of you this evening. <laughs> Hey, hi, nice to meet you. This is my penis. We really do like this movie, guys. Oh, it's so fun. I love but, it. But there are movies now that we are adults that I watch. Please tell me you were not a kid watching this. Oh, yeah. I first saw this when I was a kid. How yeah. old were you? I don't remember. My grandmother. Okay. My little gram. My little gram. Grandma yeah. Shippy. Okay. 
I just said my last name on the podcast. It's been long enough. Everybody knows. She would make me. She watched the Lifetime movies back in the 90s. Okay. If I'd stay at her house for the weekend, if my parents went away, she would make me stand in the foyer of her house. I was not allowed to see any of that. I knew what was happening. I knew what was going on. I know what grunting means. I'm not stupid. You got to watch a whole man suck on a titty. Listen, I had seen all the Halloweens, all the Friday the 13th, all the Nightmare on Elm Streets, Child's Plays, all of that long before I was 10, <laughs> I think. I have some questions like, for you when this I had podcast is over. all of this shit way early in life. You were just desensitized to sex. You're like, oh, look, yeah. sex. Sex, violence, like all of it was nothing. No. Oh wow. That's why, like, that's why now I'm like, I'm seeking out like shot on video horror and like some of these like really vile, ridiculous things that exist out there. So that leads me to a question and a comment. Oh god, here we go. <laughs> Is this why you were one of the kids that wore a trench coat in high school? No. <laughs> it was that, just comfortable. No. I know you said that. No, that was just awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I think you were, you and your friend EJ were the ones that um, got props taken away from your high school's pictures. Yes. So diverge, <laughs> let me diverge into that fun little story. But we both decided that we were going to take our senior pictures with swords. A buster sword. Mine was a buster sword. His, he used, held a katana. And I think... Uh, our friend Gary held a, an axe. Yeah, but your yours was a buster sword from Final Fantasy. Like, it wasn't really no, a real sword. I Technically it is, but we're not going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about that. That um, fucking shit is heavy, by the way. So, I've held it. So, yeah, we, we did that, and then we found out uh, the, the, year, next year. the next year they banned weapons from being in senior photos, and that's, that's my mark <laughs> that I left on high school. <laughs> also, from people that I know that graduated a year after you were the same year as you. Because I know a few. My whole friend group, or one of my friend groups, knew who you were. They didn't know, they knew of you. They didn't know who directly you were. Uh, but you were the kid that wore a trench coat and everybody was scared of you. Got me through high school. But little <laughs> did they know you were the sweetest kid in the world and I would have been friends with you in a heartbeat and you would have been like, bitch, go away. <laughs> oh, man. All right, so... Derailed. Come back. All right. Tom ass. Atkins got laid. Uh, yep. And then we see his ass. Uh, yep. Then he opens the door to find Silver Shamrock White Van taking a gurney of the lady from San Francisco out of the out of her hotel room. And he's like, "Oh, I'm a doctor. What's wrong? What's the matter? Let me let me take a look." And they're like, "Nope, not to worry." Do, um, uh, Coven. Shoot. What's his name? Corin. Cochran. Cochran is. Uh, Mr. Cochran's going to take care of her. We have a facility at Silver Shamrock. Don't worry. It'll be okay. She'll be all right. And then Cochran shows up and has a talk with him. And boy, oh boy, is he just uh, absolutely creepy. And I, mean, I'm, I skipped over something. She's fine as code for she's dead. That was my comment. Um, you can take some of this out because I'm just rambling at this point. Um... So the part that I'm missing at this point, because now they take her away in the gurney um, and they go back into their hotel room and Chalice says to Ellie, do you want to leave? They have an out right there. Yeah. So he asks her if she wants to leave. She says, yeah, I want to leave, but I can't leave until I know what happened to my, to father. my father. So at this point, the next day they go to the Silver Shamrock facility and her dad did have pick up 
um, a shipment of masks for whatever he, I don't know if he had a store or whatever. Um, but she yeah, showed they, up. Uh, she shows him the store earlier in the That's movie. right, where she used to play in the store in the in the middle of the aisles, and everybody yeah. loved it. Um, and she shows up, and the front lady goes, "Oh, that package was already picked. Uh, that shipment was already picked up on the twenty first. He signed for it." She's like, "Oh, he never, he never showed up. We don't know where he is. We know his car never got home. You know, we don't we don't know what happened to him." So, at that point, Cochran shows up, and he is waiting for the couple to show up with their son because he's going to take him on the tour of the facility. And Cochran is doing his best to play like devil's advocate where he's like, oh, why don't you guys, uh, I'm going to replace that shipment for completely free because that's the nice person I am. And why don't you come on a tour with us and look at the facility? And you realize right there and then just the way Cochran's mannerisms are, you're like, Oh, this is really shady. None of you are making it out of here. Like, immediately. His mannerisms and the way he smiles and his kind of, like, smooth... Like, his the way he moves his arms and the way he, like, his movement is. I'm like, this man is absolute bad news. I don't like him. Um, and then they go around the facility. And I thought it was really cool because the inside of the Shamrock facility looks like the inside of a special effects studio. Because they literally are pouring the molds for the silicone molds for the masks and stuff. And there's a reason for that. Is that the actual production that, facility? That is the actual production facility. Uh, so they use the original molds of the skull of the witch and jack o' lantern masks um, that were being at that mo- at that time mass produced by Don Post's studio. <laughs> And those were going to be sold in retail stores to promote this movie. That's cool. So they they made use of what was already being done in the film, which I think was really cool. Yeah, because they had thousands upon thousands just sitting there. And that is a great way to promote a movie. Like, oh, while we're making the movie, we'll make all these and then we'll start selling them. And the ones that they sold... Did they have that big button on the back that says Shamrock? That I don't know. I know the ones you can get now from Trick or Street Studios do have that. Yeah, which we want all three. I want. Yeah. I want that pumpkin. That is so cool. Um, We're going through the facility, and then we end up in this room where there's a bunch of toys, a bunch of other masks, a, bunch, a lot of little things, which the gentleman and the couple, I forget their name, um he's off talking with Cochran and the wife starts talking to Ellie and Chalice and says, Oh, don't you know of Mr. Cochran? Like, no, we really don't start talking about, Oh, he moved here, you know, a couple decades ago and he started selling toys and you can see all the toys. Like at one point you can see Cochran really did care about children. He really like, he made a living off of jokes and child's toys and all this stuff. And something changed within this man because all of this stuff in this room is no longer being produced. Yeah. It is only these three masks that are being produced. And there's a line of masks. I saw like a werewolf and a vampire and they were really cool. And I wonder if those are the same kind of masks that were being sold too for Halloween. If these, this room of props was actually from like a certain studio or a certain place we're making these things. Like, is there any truth behind, oh, made a living through all of these children's toys and these jokes and these masks? No? You know? Yeah, I don't know. I figured there might be a fun fact. There's but, not, unfortunately. But um, then we get to, like, the end of the facility where they're like, oh, this is the final process area. Uh, we can't go into this room. And 
uh, the gentleman goes, oh, why not? Like, I'm one of your best-selling customers. Why not show me the whole thing? And he's like, oh, no, there's harmful chemicals. We don't want you to go in there. Why would you be selling children masks if it's harmful chemicals? 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 Well, I mean, it was very obviously just a ploy to keep him obviously, but, out of there. But I, I applaud the actor at this point, not um, Cochran's uh, actor, but the other guy. Because at that point, he got a little like... Okay. All right. Harmful chemicals. Maybe we should head out. And he's like, oh, let me show you the next part of this. Like, all right. Well, that's fine. And that couple is like kind of talking to Cochran. And Dr. Chalice, they all go outside and Dr. Chalice knows, notices they're being watched heavily. Yes. Very, very heavily. Well, he also notices that there's a bunch of guys standing around strategically that look awfully similar to the guy that killed Ellie's dad. Ellie's father, yeah. Like, identical. Like, wait a minute. Like, what is going on? Um, And that's when he goes, oh, sweetie, we should really get going. And they start walking away. Um, And then in a power move, which I laughed about, um, Cochran has his goons open the door and just flash the license plate in the front of the car of Ellie's father's car. Yes. And that totally her her instinct was to run to that car and be like, that's my father's car. And I think that dead ass gives the two of them away to Cochran. And they're like, oh, shit, we are in we are in trouble. Um, from there, it looks like he lets them go, but he captures Ellie at some point. I know I'm missing something. Like, do the two no. of them leave and then yeah. she's captured? So they leave and they split off. Like, he goes to, I forget what he does. He goes to make, like, the call to the coroner and stuff like that. Like, mm. and you assume she goes back to the hotel. Yeah. But then the next time we see her, she's being captured. Yep. So he goes to make some calls to kind of, like, get the police or try to get a hold of the coroner to kind of see what's going on. Um, and at this point, the coroner calls somebody and says, hey, um, oh, no, back up a little bit to when he does call the coroner. Uh, sorry, this is maybe like before they go to the warehouse. Um, he calls the coroner. The coroner's like, oh, somebody fucked up and sent me the parts for the car. Um, he mixed up the bag with the actual remains for the car. So I've asked them to resend me everything just to be careful. All of the envelopes. Yeah. He's like, all right, keep me posted. And then they go into the um, facility. Um, and now he's trying to call anybody he can. He's trying to get a landline out of this place. And every time he does, he can't. It's like somebody else is controlling everything. And he realizes the only way he's going to get anywhere is if he goes back to Silver Shamrock. Yes. So he breaks in and he ends up in a room. I don't remember how. Um, where he ends up knocking the head off of a animatronic who is knitting in the corner. Yeah, it's like this he sees this old woman and mm. he's like asking her, Where where's the girl? Where's the girl? Where's the girl? What's and, happening? And then he knocks her head off. Like I think he goes up to like shake it mm. and uh the head falls off. Like, and he's like, like, Oh boom. it's a robot or an like, animatronic. Oh and then he does a little running around. He gets captured himself. And then you find out that Cochran says, oh, this is a rare piece from 1785. And I'm like, um what? 1785, a German piece from 1785. Yeah, I, they, they're playing it fast and loose with technology there. <laughs> but it's also making me, like, think, like, 
1785 like normal people or 1785 he's a fucking like otherworldly kind of thing I think he's supposed to be like a, a warlock of some kind That yeah that's what I'm thinking he's some sort of warlock or witch or, or something like that yeah um and then what kills me is we have the fatal what I like to call Disney plot hole villain where he takes Chalice around and reveals his whole fucking plot. Yeah. Reveals everything. Even shows him how it works. So at this point, it's the next day. It's the morning of, and the family with the father and the wife and the son show up, and Cochran tells him, oh, I just need you to come and watch some commercials for Halloween stuff or some promotional stuff, you know, if you can come in and just, you know, watch it and take notes. And the wife says out loud, this place gives me the creeps. I want to go home. And the son's like, ah, whatever. And he has his his mask, because when they did the tour, Cochran gave him a brand new mask making sure that one of those pendants was on the back of it. Because he's like, oh, can I take one of these with nothing on it? He's like, nope, no, those aren't finalized. You've got to take one of these. I'm just like, "Uh uh-oh. So the family's in there, and while Chalice is watching, um, he plays the final commercial, which is supposed to be playing at 9 o'clock on Halloween for the big giveaway. And while the thing goes, and gets faster, and this pumpkin is flashing on the screen... The kid grabs his head, shakes, falls on the floor, has a seizure, and then venomous spiders, venomous snakes, crickets, crickets, bugs, everything you would think of comes out of this kid's head, which I would like to put emphasizes the television rots children's brains. Oh, absolutely. Like, this was thrown in your face that technology rots children's brains. And it, uh, this is probably the most memorable scene of the whole movie. Holy shit. Just seeing this venomous, what looks like a rattlesnake come out of this kid's head. It bites the dad. What happens to the mom? Does she, she get, faints. She just we'll faints. We never see what happens to her. But, but the dad gets bitten by the snake and it's presumed the son obviously is dead. And the father's well, dead. And that's the thing. It's like this, that kid was what? 12 maybe? I would say between the ages of 9 and 12. Yeah. And they literally murdered him on screen. On screen, (laughs) they murdered him. You watch the pumpkin head go from this loose mass to tightening around his face to morphing into something grotesque. It starts to, like, melt and split. Yeah, and And then all of a sudden, like, these bugs and spiders and snakes come out of this kid's head, and you can see kind of through it. The pumpkin mask is rotted, and so is his head. And I was... Wow, are you guys, like, emphasizing the fact that TV rots children's brains? Which, I was like, huh, okay. <laughs> There's a lot of, um, don't drink, don't do drugs, um, don't go trick-or-treating, don't watch TV. <laughs> like, it's kind of like kind of a killjoy movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, it's still really good. Um, at this point, uh, Dr. Chalice finds out that the dudes are androids like he says it's better than keeping humans around they all obey me they listen yeah and this this also plays in to like the backstory of Cochran like the fact that he used to be a toy maker and like so you you kind of get to assume that he built built and created these androids essentially but like as we saw in the I forget at what point we see it. We kind of see it with the the old man, old woman animatronic. Mm. But like, 
they're like made of like clockwork and yeah. stuff like that. It's not so much technological technology like computerized robots that we would assume. Yeah. They're, they're like these analog robots. It's kind of cool. It is very interesting and I think that ties in with the old lady being like, "Oh, this is a German he modeled it after that, that this old technology where, oh, okay, so I, I can have computer parts and this old technology in here, which doesn't really question, like, make me think these shouldn't be strong if they're clock parts. They, these things should be fragile, like very fragile. Like he went to shake that lady and her head fell off. Like wouldn't one of, when he starts to punch one of these dudes in the face, wouldn't his head just fall right off? Well, if you I, think about it, unless there's a steel skeletal structure in there. Yeah, I'm sure they're more uh, well designed. Um, then he explains his whole plot to Chalice, which I translate it to. Um, they stole a piece of Stonehenge because it's ancient technology. Um, and he was going to use that to integrate it with technology that is in the masks, the chips, um, to... Kill children. Yes. Basically it. And how I interpreted this, and this was a comment that was said on it, to bring back an ancient pagan tradition of sacrificing children for Samhain. And I was like, stop the bus. I think it was like, it's meant to be like a, a mass sacrifice. A mass sacrifice because people have forgotten the old ways. Yes. That's what he said. And I was like, this man is fucked up. This man is very twisted. He even says, oh, this is a piece of Stonehenge. You should have seen how we had to get it here. And it's like, you stole a piece of Stonehenge. You chipped it apart to add tiny pieces of Stonehenge into every single one of these silver shamrock medallions onto a mask. Oh, Karma's going to get you, buddy. <laughs> um, Let's see. Watch the magic pumpkin. That's one of my comments. Um, I mean, so the next thing that happens in the movie is that they they then bring Chalice into a room. They tie him to a chair. Uh, Cochran gives yes, him his yep. big evil speech. Yep. Um, they put a mask on his head and they turn on the what's going to be the commercial. And then all of a sudden the music for Halloween plays and I'm like, why would they put the Halloween score in this? And I realized Halloween's on the TV. I was like, oh, stupid. One fatal flaw of Cochran is he didn't tie up Tom Atkins' legs, and that man's legs are muscular and strong, so he beats the TV up, uses a piece of glass, and cuts himself out. Um, so part of his his escape here uh, that I think is really funny is uh, he tosses the takes the mask off and he tosses it on the security camera Yep. so that it shorts. they can't see what... A new year is full of surprises, but one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take care of orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. 
Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. He's doing. Mm. It took him 40 takes, over 40 takes, <laughs> to get that mask on the... Uh, <laughs> On the camera. Woo. Woo. That is hilarious to think about. <laughs> Tom Hatton going, I'll get it in the next one. I'll get it in the next Guys, I quit. <laughs> Fuck this. Fuck this. I hate this. Um, but after that, he sneaks out of the out of the room through the vents. Mm-hmm. He Kind and of, he makes his way. He ends up on the roof of the building. Yeah, like he's he's basically trying to scout out where like a way out. Because he does, uh, Cochran does show him. Oh look, there's Ellie, and there's your friend, the other the other lady. Yeah. So he kind of figures it out. Like, oh, this is where Ellie is. Um, he shows up, gets her out of there, and then there is the best Scooby Doo esque moment, where all of a sudden you see a rack of masks. You know, just moving in the background, and you see their little feet just... <laughs> so funny. I was like, oh, Scooby-Doo. Oh, before that, he calls Linda. Yes. He calls Linda and said, Linda, listen to me. Just shut up and listen to me for a minute. And all she's doing is bitching. He's like, get rid of the masks. Get rid of the kids' masks. Get rid of them. They're gonna, It's going to kill them. No, I'm not been drinking. No, I'm not on drugs. Just listen to me. Um, so you never find out what happens with the kids. At this point, you're assuming the worst that these kids are going to end up like that other kid did um at nine o'clock because the commercial is you're hearing it like oh throughout it you're seeing children walking around with the masks and this b-roll playing that's uh that's something i noted here that Mm. is uh kind of ridiculous Mm. is uh they do this this montage where you see like all these different cities and the kids are walking around with the masks, they're trick-or-treating and they're, they're all like, time. they're all heading home as like, it's getting closer and closer to the airing of this big giveaway. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's absolutely no regard to time zones or anything. It's just, it's about to be 9 PM everywhere in the U S. <laughs> so what do you think if at 9 PM on the East coast, uh, 6 PM on the West coast, um, and all of a sudden they air this and all these children are dying. They wouldn't air it for the rest of the country. You'd think. But if it's airing at 9 p.m. on the West Coast, it's like 12, 1 o'clock on the East Coast. None of those kids are dying. No one's letting your kids stay up that late because if it's a school night, your ass is going to school the next day. And if it's a weekend night, um, you've had too much candy. Go to bed before you throw up. Like, honestly, we were kids in the in the yeah. 80s. And, well, not you. Uh, we were kids in the 90s. We went Halloween trick-or-treating. When you got back from trick-or-treating, was your mom ever like, you can't have any candy? Uh, no, I was eating candy the whole fucking time. No, there was I, no fear of razor blades or needles or poison back when we were kids. I, uh... I, I mean, know. there was, but not as much as there is I today. I don't know. Like, I can't specifically recall... Trick-or-treating? Parents... My parents checking our candy, but I'm, I think they... I remember the concept of it, so I think they did, but... I remember, distinctly remember a year where I went out trick-or-treating, and we'd always do... My neighborhood 
um, which when I was growing up as a kid, you know where I lived um, when I was a kid. So we do that whole neighborhood. And then we go to my grandmother's neighborhood, which was by the middle school. We yeah. do that whole neighborhood. And that neighborhood was filled with older people. So I would get apples, raisins, uh, toothbrushes. Um, I would get prunes. I got dates once upon a time. Like they gave out weird, healthy food. Um, so my parents would be like, oh, if you want food right now, because we're walking, you can have some candy. But once we get home, you got to have like the apple and stuff like that. But there was a scare when I was like eight or nine where one of my cousins, was it my cousins? I don't know. Somebody got a needle in something. That's awesome. Um, which <laughs> I don't remember what it was. And I could be completely wrong. Or I don't know if it was a cousin or somebody I knew in school, but somebody got a needle. So from then on, I checked my candy and I made my parents check my candy because I was a little I was always a little paranoid about that shit. Yeah. Um, and I distinctly remember opening a snake like get oh, my bag was open. We're sorting. And my mom was like, oh, save me those. And I was like, all right, I don't like work peppermint patties and I don't like Snickers. One of my Snickers was clearly opened and the candy was tampered with. And I'm like, well, the bag, it was in the bag and I've thrown the bag around and whatever. So I threw it away. But from then on, I was always paranoid about like shit in my candy. Yeah. So I always checked my brother's candy. I always checked my sister's candy. So I never ate candy when I got home. It was always, that's good. Like I'd manhandle the candy. Because <laughs> I'm like, I am not biting into anything and biting into a needle because I've accidentally stupidest fucking story two times same night i stabbed myself with a needle are you ready for this so one of them was i had the needle in my mouth here and i was trying to thread it and i threaded the needle and i pricked my tongue and i got my knee the needle in my tongue and then i dropped the needle didn't realize it did it was sticking up like this with the eye and i stepped on it with this foot and the eye of the needle went into my foot this much and i had to pull it out and it had stuff at the end of it when i pulled it out same night I don't remember how old I was I was in like between like 11 and 14 when I was like sewing and doing all that stuff yeah same night and I was always like uh, I know how it feels to have that needle go like on your tongue and I was like <laughs> and then with braces I don't know if you ever did this but the wire on my brace snapped and I had it stab me in the cheek so bad I was bleeding for an hour I couldn't get it to stop so that was another thing where you're like, oh, I don't ever want to feel that again. So now I'm paranoid about candy on Halloween. <laughs> I'm uh, 37. I'm still paranoid. I've actually been never big into candy. No, you don't ever. like chocolate at all. Not like The only thing you'll eat is Reese's. Yeah. But if you buy the Reese's, you buy the white Reese's. Well, I'll eat any Reese's really, but like that's... That like every now and then Kit Kats, but like, or something like that. But I'm not huge into eating candy. It's not like my go-to. I got turned off of Kit Kats completely. Did I tell you the story of that? So at work last year, we always get candy. We put them in the jars, and you go up front, you steal a piece of candy. Ooh, it's fine. I got a Kit Kat bar with no wafers in it. Yo, that chocolate, that chocolate for Kit Kat is disgusting on its own. Jesus. I will never eat another Kit Kat again. Uh, it tastes like that Palmer's chocolate coin chocolate. Oh, right? God. Right? Right? I went, nope. If you can't have a good chocolate, never eat it again. Kit Kat's turned off completely. But I will say, the Japanese butter Kit Kats, don't judge me. They are the best Kit Kats from Japan. Butter Kit Kats. Buttered flavored Kit Kats. They're the best. Anyways, so back to the story. I still have a lot of notes. Holy shit. Um, 
first of all, ew. Second of all, shut up. <laughs> um, my comment is while he's yeah, while he's like, Linda, shut up and listen. I'm like, tell her to put the goddamn mask on and sit down and watch with the kids. Like that's how I felt about her at this point. Um, well, it's because over the course of the story, you side with him. Like he's your protagonist. Yeah. Um. So then after they've, you know, done the little Scooby-Doo move, they grab a whole box of sensors and go up to the rafters and throw. Um. Oh, he tells her, Ellie, to hold until he gives her the signal. He sneaks down and sets the thing for the boop, 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 for the pumpkin to start going off. She throws them on the ground, misfires, causes this circle of like blue light around the televisions and then Stonehenge starts lighting up Cochran gets in the center and just zaps him and then he disappears yeah that, that's part of the, the whole like where things get really like cosmic car-y like it's like, like what is happening did he die did he disappear did he transcend did he, like yeah. what the fuck did he just get um, what are they called? Beam to somewhere else. Like, was that Stonehenge's work? Was that his work as a warlock? This is why this movie aggravates me towards the end because there's too many open-ended questions. Like, what happened to Cochrane? Um, did Linda listen and tell the kids to take the masks off? Well, if you look at it from a, I, I doubt Linda listened. Yeah, but if you look at it from a uh, anthology kind of standpoint like this was meant to start mm. a lot of if you're watching an anthology film or an anthology series a lot of those stories are open ended like yeah. they just kind of they're a moment in horror so like you wouldn't have all the answers by the end of this and then the next story would be something completely different with that in mind I've never seen Creepshow we're getting there is Creepshow gonna piss me off uh, I don't think so. I mean, not like the other open-ended sh- movies. No, have. those creep show is very fun. Like for the most part, I've seen a couple of tales of the crypts, but I've not seen all of them. Will those piss me off? Uh, eh, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Probably. Um, see, I have a comment here where we start to get to the point where now, um, Chalice and Ellie are escaping. They're getting out. They're getting in the car. They're trying to drive away. And in my mind, while they're driving at this point, I'm thinking, if I was a parent and I saw that huge fucking medallion on the back of the masks, I would find a way to take that off because I think it takes away from the mask. I'd be like, give me that. Uh, you don't need that. Doesn't doesn't that huge... It's a huge medallion. I would say it's like... I don't know, the size of a golf ball. Yeah, it's pretty big. It's huge because obviously microchip or computer chips back then were not small they they were big. no it was like a big button yeah it's like, a huge button in my opinion i'd be like pop that shit off it was this tiny thing i would be fine yeah. but it's this huge thing and i would have been like get out of here you don't <laughs> need that and it doesn't need to be on the back of it um so they're driving away they're trying to get away and all of a sudden ellie looks at him funny and starts to strangle him and attack him and i'm like oh, oh no so he's trying to stop her and crashes the car and jumps out. And we find out that Ellie is an android. And he does end up stopping Ellie. But then that leaves the question and it opened. And I said this. Um, oh, no. She is one of the androids. What happened to her? 
Was she an android the whole time or at some point did she change? So I think when between where she identified her father and when she showed up at the bar, I think that's where she became the android because she was a little too happy and smiley and a little too eager to get into his pants. To befriend him, to gain his trust. That's what I believe. Because Cochran makes the point to say they're very lifelike. No, because one of the androids, while they're in the in the elevator going to the the area where Stonehenge is, he sneezes and he goes very lifelike, right? So he could have been completely tricked if Ellie was an android. Well, Shippy, you've gone and done it. What? You fucked up my whole thing. No! Did you, you have fucked a up fit? my whole thing? And now I gotta throw it all out the window. What do you mean? What was your thing? Well, that was some one of the things I, I was gonna do. I was gonna talk about at the end of this was like my theory, my big my theory about the movie that no, isn't don't really throw it addressed. Out. Don't throw it out. No, it's over. You, you can cut me out. You're the editor. You can cut no. me out. You fucked the whole thing up. No, you have to stick stick with it. It's over. Stick with it. No, because it's... No, a, now I feel bad. No. <laughs> oh. But yeah, uh, so my thoughts on on what you're talking about here is like, they, they shove that relationship dynamic in your face very hard. Very hard. Like, and she is really quick to... Throw, put it in me to, yeah to throw herself let's, at let's him let's make a baby <laughs> and um that leads me to think like it d- doesn't make any sense like why would she be so like her father just died why would she be so interested in fucking Tom Atkins like, I mean maybe she's got daddy issues but uh, <laughs> but it leads me to wonder I have some new questions <laughs> it leads me to wonder like was she one of Cochran's androids the entire time? Yeah. Like, did she, uh, she comes on to him extremely strong? Like, is she? Is she keeping him busy? It, yeah. Like, is she there to distract him as much as possible? Which she succeeds in doing for a good stint there. Um, there's even like that moment that you were poking fun of earlier. At earlier is the like. They just got done fucking, and then he's like, "How old are you?" And her response in that moment is, "Relax, I'm older than you. Th- I look. I'm older than I look." And I'm like, "Which is like, okay, that could mean that could mean she's but been." If, but if you're an android, you're quite young. So ew. But like, it makes you think. Like, makes you think even more. Like, let me backpedal there for a second. I'm stumbling <laughs> over myself. Getting too excited. But it makes me wonder even more that did the man that was being pursued at the very beginning, did he even have a daughter? Oh, I never even fucking thought of that. Is it all a lie? We have no confirmation because that she's his daughter. Because the cops didn't even verify when she showed up. She's like, that's my father. Oh, ma'am, you don't want to... Well, let's get it over with. Like, like, oh, I didn't even think of that. Well, she did mention, like, oh, my dad used to let us play in the aisles like all the other kids. It could have all been a story. Doesn't mean anything. There's no evidence anywhere that she is actually related. Like, it's not like they run into another person who confirms that she's his daughter. Oh, yeah, I heard you 
did your father pass Nothing. away? Brain blown. That's how I ruined your wedding. You ruined it. I ruined you it. You fucked it all up. Uh, soiled anyway. it. Soiled it. Um, so we get to him running back to the same gas station. Um, and he tells the attendant, same attendant, he's like, I need your phone. I need your phone. He's like, don't I know you from somewhere? Never answered. Which, which is, is like funny. a obviously 80 yard after the fact line. Oh, yeah. Don't I know you? Um, runs in and he's on the phone. And it's nine o'clock and the commercials start playing and he's screaming. He's like, no, tell them it's a bomb threat. Tell them something, anything. Just don't play them. It, lives are at stake. So as they're clicking, a couple of kids show up and, you know, the guy gives them candy and they're watching the thing. And the first channel, please stand by. Oh, good. It cuts. Second one, please stand by. The third one, the pumpkin starts flashing and he's screaming, please turn it off, please, please. Cuts the movie right there. You do not know if that third station stopped airing that pumpkin. And you'll be happy to know that that was not the original way that the movie was going to end. Do explain. So, initially, they... As you said, the movie just cuts to black and you don't know if he succeeded or not. Yep. And... Originally, what was going to happen, the movie was still going to cut to black there, but instead of it going into the credits and uh, the ending um, music and everything, it would cut to black and you were supposed to hear the screams of millions of children being murdered. Now, Tommy Lee Wallace decided not to add this. He he wanted that more ambiguous ending where you you can decide for yourself what happens. I think that was the right move. Um, and Tom Atkins also uh, has said in, in an interview previously that he likes to imagine that his struggles weren't in vain and that all the kids survived because he was able to stop them. However... Apparently, in the novelization, it is described that, and I guess I can quote this, Yeah, it is described that the endless screams of dying children could be heard throughout the station, the town, and the land beyond. So in the book, he fails. But how many people's lives did he save by getting the other two stations? He not completely in vain. So here's where I'm fighting for him. Yeah. Yes. He was not able to completely stop it. But what about those children that they were listening to station one or two where it was stopped and it was fine? I mean, yeah, it that fucking sucks that no one will know what happened. Millions upon millions of people. I'm not even just America, probably Canada and other places that these masks are being sold to died. I mean, when they were doing the montage of the kids, you could see kids not wearing the mask. Like, so you knew like certain kids weren't marrying them. I totally would have been one of them. I love pumpkins. I've dressed up as a pumpkin for Halloween multiple times. I have pictures. I love pumpkins. Um, That's why I have a pumpkin bed for the cats that they don't use. Bitches. Um, But... I would like to think he succeeded in saving some lives. He was not able to save everybody, but in the book, he did do what he could. He was the only one doing it. He was the only one that could have stopped everything. Because when they were escaping, 
the entire silver shamrock went up in flames. All the evidence is gone because all it was was a broadcast that was going out. Yeah. They could link the broadcast to Silver Shamrock, but they couldn't have any proof of what happened because it was gone. Exactly. So this is why the story will never have any like second show or anything because basically it is Dr. Chalice against the world and there is no proof that he stopped anything. Nothing. All they know is this crazy dude called stations. Two station listens, one didn't. That's it. Oh, that was one station with three channels. Oh, it was one station yeah, with he, three channels? He was, yeah, because he was like, all right, the first one's good. Second one's good. He's like, the third one's still going, please. They're like, Oh, I thought it was three separate stations. No, it's the same station that, because they were only brought, it was a big station, you can assume, but uh, they were broadcasting to three separate channels, all under the same company. Oh. Uh. Well, I mean, one kid could have been on one channel, one kid could have been on another. You know, it, yeah. it probably did save but more people than it killed. As we saw with the kid at the gas station, when one channel went out, they just kept switching to the other ones. So you can uh, kind of assume that that well, happened elsewhere. Well, you done fucked it up. You fucked my theory up now. I fucked yours up. You fucked mine up. Here we go. <laughs> uh, did you know that there are two other cameos in this movie? No. First one is from Tommy Lee Wallace himself. Really? When was he in it? He plays the voice announcer in the Silver Shamrock commercials. <laughs> it's almost time, kids. Yep. Okay, I hear that. And we also have a very brief but very subtle cameo by Jamie Lee Curtis. Where? She is the voice over the intercom informing the <gasps> Sa- Santa Mira residents that it's curfew. No! Yep. <laughs> Where did we listen to this? I was on Peacock, wasn't it? Yeah. Damn it, I don't have Peacock. Now I have to listen to that. I don't recognize I didn't recognize it was her voice. Yep, that was her. Huh. And... 30 years, 40 years later, she's going to be doing the last movie for Halloween. Yeah. 40 years later. That movie was 40 years ago. Tom Atkins is 82. Did you know that? And he's still badass as ever. Still kicking, man. All right. Do we want to talk about anything else regarding this before we get into nope. our Closing questions. Here? I bet you this is a long one, so we should close it up. Overall thoughts on the film. I like this film. I don't like some of the things that they're like poking at, like obviously like the pagan tradition thing and like the Irish thing. Like it kind of paints that stuff in a bad light. And I did read something like people are like, oh, they're anti-Irish, they're anti-pagan, they're anti-Wiccan, they're anti-capitalism, blah, blah, blah. People are going to have their opinions about a movie. It it was a different time, you know. It, It sucks when, you know people or ideologies or things that people believe in or love or the butt of jokes and it's not right but I still like the movie even though I I have some grudges towards some of the things they do I mean ultimately it's a movie yeah it's a story and you I absolutely love this movie I think it's 
one of the best of the Halloween franchise, even though it doesn't connect really to the other ones. Nope. Yep. Um, I think it's a phenomenal Halloween film. It is a great Halloween film. It is a movie, one of the few movies I can say is truly fits the Halloween aesthetic Mm -hmm. and celebrates the season that it's set in. Yeah. Like, I absolutely love that about it. It's one that I honestly would watch every year. I don't always get to, but Mm -hmm. I always try to. It's one of those that I like to put on during Halloween because it is in a perfect representation of the feeling that I want to feel around that time during this season Mm. did you have any favorites Uh, my favorite line is definitely the saw the bottle and it looked heavy (laughs) so stupid um I think my favorite scene is just Cochran explaining his whole plan like why why would you explain the plan just Fucking lock the man back up. If you just locked him back up, things would have been better. Like, if you would have locked him up better. Like, I don't know, check your vents. You know, double check your security systems. Tie his feet. None of this would have happened. You would have killed every kid in the world if you just would have, you know, not explained your plan and, you know, tied the man up better. (laughs) But, yeah. How about you? Well, I wrote down a favorite scene and a favorite line. Oh, wow. You actually wrote it down? Yeah. So, um, my favorite bit of dialogue is similar to you. It's Cochran's monologue Mm. at the end, which I actually wrote. I have here. So, it's, do I need a reason? Mr. Kupfer, I think Kupfer, Mr. Kupfer was right, you know. I do love a good joke. And this is the best ever. A joke on the children. But there's a better reason. You don't really know how much... uh, You don't don't really know much about Halloween. You thought no further than the strange custom of having your children wear masks and go out begging for candy. It was the start of the year in our old Celtic lands. Uh, It was the start of the year in our old Celtic lands, and we'd be waiting in our houses of wattles and clay. The barriers would be down, you see, between the real and the unreal, and the dead might be looking in to sit by our fires. Halloween, the festival of... Samhain. Yeah. That's not how he says it in the movie, but... No, it's not Sam Hain exactly. It's pronounced something differently. I always say it wrong. The festival of of Sam Hain, the last great one, took place 300 years ago when the hills ran red with blood of animals and children. It was part of our world, our craft. To us, it was a way of controlling our environment. It's not so different now. It's time again. In the end, we don't decide these things, you know. The planets do. They're in alignment. And it's time again. The world's going to change tonight, Doctor. I'm glad you'll be able to watch it. And happy Halloween. 
that whole section is so well performed by the actor. Mm. It's so eerie and haunting. It makes you question if he was there 300 years ago. It does. Because he says, in in our craft. And you're like, it's almost like he's speaking from experience. Like he lived it. It's a really awesome monologue. It's one of the better. And it like it feels very spooky. Mm. So that that's my favorite dialogue in the movie. My favorite scene is the end. Is that him at the gas station screaming for them yeah. to like begging for them to just, shut it off. It goes into this echo and him screaming and then the, the thing goes black and you're like, oh my god, did he stop it? I fucking love it. I love it. I hate it. I hate it. But it's still a good movie. It's still a good movie. Does it work? From a 1982 sense or a 2022 sense? Go with your gut. My gut says that yes. Yes, it still works. I... I think it still works for then, and I think it still works for now, because it does have such a cult following now. Like, people love this movie. You either love this movie, or you fucking hate it. It's either one of the movies that you're proud to own, or when you got the Arrow release, you took it out and you threw it in a a draw because you don't want it with everything else. Like, that's how much of a divide there is for this film. And I still think it works. I still love playing it. It has its problems. It has its flaws. It's ridiculous, but yes, yes, for then and now, I think it still does work. I I agree. I, I think it works. I think it's a fucking fantastic film. I hate that for so long people disregarded it just because it didn't have Michael Myers in it. Yeah. Like, I think this is a true Halloween film where the other Halloween films really aren't. Like I've said before, those don't have to be set on Halloween. They could have been fucking set any time. I mean, the Halloween H2O movie. Is it H2O or Resurrection? I think it's Resurrection. It's set like at the beginning of of a school year. Right? She's like a... No, it's on Halloween. It is on Halloween? Yeah. Uh... Yeah, it's it's oh, they're always set on Halloween or at least around Halloween. But there's no real traditional but kind of Halloween aspects to there's it. There's no reason for it. It just is. Yeah. Like and it's just like, okay, that's fine. It's like, like oh, Michael Myers has an obsession with the 31st of October. That's all it is. Whatever. Like this is the only one that is truly about Halloween. Yeah. And I really love that about it. I think I think it's a fucking great movie. And if you take it out of the Halloween franchise, it's still a great fucking story. Yeah. Would you recommend it? I would recommend this to everybody. You like? Do you like spooky movies? Do you like Halloween? Do you like the idea of little children being mass murdered? No to the last one? All right, we'll backtrack. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, I do recommend this for everybody. It's it's definitely not going to be everybody's cup of tea or cup of coffee, if you will. <laughs> but um, certainly my fucking cup of coffee. I still have some of my cup of coffee left. I'm not sleeping tonight. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, I I do recommend this if you've seen Halloween or Halloween two, 
and you've always never watched this because, oh, it doesn't have anything to do with Michael Myers, don't think of it as a Halloween franchise movie. Think of this as called Season of the Witch. It's a good one. It really is. It's a nice Halloween classic that I think anybody who is a horror fan should watch or just slightly like, oh, I like horror movies. Watch this one. I'm really surprised that this one isn't bigger. Really. It has all of the elements of those niche, niche, fun Halloween movies. Not a lot of gore. There is nudity, but, you know, everybody's seen an ass and a titty. Single titty. Um, emphasize on you only see one tit. There can only be one tit. There can only be one tit, but there can be a whole lot of Atkin ass. Mm-hmm. Woo! Um, but yeah, see it. Please watch this one. Goes without saying that I absolutely recommend this movie. I don't care who you are, if you enjoy Halloween at all, if you have any kind of a soul, if you give this one a chance. <laughs> give this one a chance. Uh, it, it's it deserves it. Mm. It is a really, really good film. Yeah. And I swear to God, if you tell me that you would make this today, I might eat you out that fucking window. I'm going to make it tomorrow, you motherfucker. No! No, I, I agree. I mean, I think you and I are definitely consensus on this. Don't, don't, don't remake this. Leave it where it is. You're not going to have, you're not going to find somebody else to play Chalice like, like Atkins does. I mean, you can probably find another Ellie. She's not as memorable as you would think. But the story, the, the... The element of the story set in the 80s makes sense because it was a simpler time. It, it Technology was just, just getting there. Just getting there. Like, if you do this now, there is no way to stop this. Yeah, can you imagine how fucking ridiculous they'd have to make the story to set it now? I have a four terabyte fucking hard drive sitting in my hand, and it's 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 smaller than my fucking phone right now. Can you imagine how many gigs or megabytes were in each one of those little chips? This is probably a billion of those fucking masks right here. Or maybe a trillion, if you think about it. Like, you can make those fucking things so small and never be detected. Nobody get any ideas. Don't do this. (laughs) (laughs) But no, don't remake this one. Leave it where it is. Enjoy it where it is. Move on. Get your own ideas, people. So is this mainstream exploitation or other? This is other. This is absolutely other. No one asked for this. I thank you, John Carpenter. This is a good movie. Nobody asked for this. It's got the Halloween name. It doesn't have Michael Myers. People were pissed. Other. Yeah, I would say this is mainstream and name only. Only. The because only reason why it, it people went to go see it is because Halloween was attached yes. to it. That was it. So it's got a mainstream name, but the concept and overall story is definitely falls into other. Other, yeah. But I think that brings this discussion on Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, to an end. Don't go anywhere just yet. Before we wrap up, stay tuned for the coming attractions. Halloween, Tommy. <laughs> Something for me? Because I'm special? Yes, Tommy. Trick or treat, give me all your candy or I'll blow your head off. Roger, would you learn how to talk nicely to your sister? Big Ben, you 
you're dead. Give it. Oh. oh, Tommy, we have to wash that. But, Mom, I like the taste of blood. Grandpa says it's good for me. Grandpa? When did you see Grandpa, Tommy? Did he give you that pumpkin? <gasps> excited to do this one i'm so excited to do this one i just looked it up because i'm like the heckalantern i was like all right or heckalantern why do i recognize this title and then i looked up and what's the first thing that popped up a best of the worst from red letter media and i'm like did we watch this and you were like oh i watched it and i'm like wait a minute yes we did watch this and then we watched it on that i cannot wait this movie's terrible oh this one is ah! Some of the cheesiest, oh my God. schlockiest shit that has ever come out of the fucking 80s. It is a cesspool of bad cliches. And I cannot fucking wait to watch oh. it again. Is and this the mom? Is this the one with the mo- the weird mom? This is one of the ones with the weird moms. Oh, there's a lot of ones with the weird moms. All I remember is the long-haired weird, the long-haired weird mom, and I was like, oh, I love this. This is so stupid. Th- this movie has so much wrong with it. It... it- it's gonna be a ball oh, to tear it apart. This is this is going to be as bad as Skinwalkers was for me. Skinwalkers, Sleepwalkers, Skinwalkers. Sorry, <laughs> Sleepwalkers was terrible to me. I know you like Sleepwalkers. Uh, it's fun. Well, it's one of the movies bring you childhood. Could you just watch Care Bears or something? Nah, fuck them. Oh God. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen you excited to watch a bad movie. Oh my god, because I honestly, after we watch this and after we do this, I want to watch that best of the worst again and just watch them tear it apart. Because <laughs> I forget the jokes they made in it, which is good because you and I did like a whole fucking marathon of best of the worst. We just kept playing it for a while. Yeah. But we actually got caught up, so we had to 
Stop. Best of the worst for you is like Try Guys for me. <laughs> Those videos just yeah. keep playing when we're home. Ah, oh, it's going to be a good week. I think it's a good way to wrap up the Halloween season. Let's just have some fun. Honestly, like, our first movie was, God help me, I don't remember. For Halloween? Yeah. What was our first movie? Monster Squad. Monster Squad. That was a good one. I enjoyed that. The next one was... Changeling. Changeling, which was better than I thought it would be. Um, And then it's Season of the Witch, and now we're ending No, Pumpkinhead. Pumpkinhead. Honestly, I couldn't... After this, we should pick our favorite Halloween film. Maybe we will at the end of the next one. Yeah, at the end of the next one, we'll tell you what our favorite Halloween film was. And I'm really glad we did not do safe Halloween films this year. Like Hocus Pocus or anything like that. I mean, we could have done, like, the Disney or ones or the... Could have done Halloween. We could have done Halloween, but honestly, Halloween, too easy. Friday the 13th, too easy. Like, all of those, I want to pick obscure ones. And this, oh, baby, to round out Halloween. And this is going to air on, on Halloween. Halloween. Yes! Oh! I'm so excited. You have no idea. Sorry, girls. I just woke both cats up and they gave me ass eyes. <laughs> Fuck both of you, okay? I'm excited. Let's wrap this up so we can watch it. All right. If you want to keep up with everything that we're doing, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Grindhouse Podcast. We're on Twitter at Grindhouse Cast. You can find us on Discord where you can chat with Leah Yo. about this film, any of the films we've ever covered, or films we haven't covered yet. You can suggest us some new ones. Yep. All the links for everything are going to be down in the show notes. Listen to us. Give us five stars on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your morning fix. New episodes come out first thing every Monday morning. If you like what we're doing and you want to show us some support, you can find all that information down in the show notes as well. You can support us directly through Acast or we have a Patreon as well. Get yourself some fun rewards, unlock ad-free listening, as well as some fun extra content that we have coming your way soon. Until next week, I'm Sean. I'm Leah. Thanks for listening and stay spooky.